How many of you know that as long as you're alive, there will be trouble? Hey, trouble is all over the place. And trouble is just a part of life. You're not living if you haven't experienced some trouble. And today I want to talk to you about that very concept out of our series entitled Turn Your World Upside Down, Defiance. We're doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Thessalonians. As I look at this passage, I'm reminded that we need to expect trouble. If you don't expect trouble, it'll catch you by surprise. How about it? If you've never had a baby, which I haven't personally, but I've been by by my wife's side when she did. And if you never had a baby and never knew that it was going to be trouble, I mean pushing and grunting and difficult and painful, if no one ever warned you about that, in the middle of labor pain, you'd be saying, what's happening here? What's happening? Because you didn't expect pain, and so then when it comes, you're surprised by it. Hey, if no one ever told you that marriage isn't always agreeing 100%, if no one ever told you that, hey, do you realize that you will, there will be disagreements in your marriage, that sometimes you're not going to agree, and sometimes you may even get so upset at each other that it turns into a fight and you don't talk to each other for a day or two, if no one ever told you that marriage will have its disagreements, then your first fight, you would say, what's happening to us? Maybe I made the wrong decision. I never knew that we were supposed to, there was going to be any fights at all. I thought we would just walk in and finish each other's sentences. All, he would always agree with me. Well, if no one ever told you there'd be disagreements, then when a disagreement happens, you're shocked by it. If no one ever told you that raising children sometimes would get difficult, and the first time your child disobeys or has an attitude, you would be shocked by it. Why? Because if you don't expect something, when it happens to you, you're shocked that it's happening. Jesus tells us in the Word of God that if you decide to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to expect trouble. It's an expectation. Trouble will be there when you follow Jesus Christ. Expect that your following Jesus Christ will generate some trouble in your life. So you need to have a stance of expectation. When I was in high school, I wrestled for one year. And one of the very first things that they taught us in wrestling was that we were to expect that the opponent was going to try to take you down, and so there's a stance to get ready for the opponent. It's an offensive stance. Have you ever seen a wrestling match where someone just kind of walks on the wrestling mat like this and just says, okay, I'm ready, come get me? No, 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 that's not how you do it. You know that the opponent is going to try to take you down. So if I still remember, it was something like this. You crouch down a little bit. Make sure... Your right leg is behind you to sustain you in case he comes at you. You get in a position where you're not easily taken down. 
you raise your hands so that you are ready for your opponent. And so you get ready because you expect that he is going to come and try to take you down. You are ready for his attack. You are in a position of expectation. I run into many believers that are facing life not like this, but are facing life like this. And when they get knocked down, when they get derailed, when they're on the ground yelling uncle, they wonder, what happened to me? I'm not sure what happened to my life. Why is this trouble in my life? Hey, did you not know that Jesus told his disciples, expect trouble? Uh, Trouble will come your way. Be ready for trouble. Make sure that you are standing firm and strong because trouble will be there, so just get ready for it. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Okay, say it out loud. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Oh, I love this. I have overcome the world. What Jesus was saying is that you're going to have trouble in this world, so you might as well just expect that it's part of life. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So I want you to look for a moment to 1 Thessalonians because we're in the book of 1 Thessalonians and I'm going to read a few verses out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. I'd like for us to stand for the reading of the word, please. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20. But brothers... When we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longings, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our crown. Word of the Lord. You may be seated. So today as we study the Bible, I want to help you to understand that Jesus taught us and the Apostle Paul teaches us that trouble is something that we need to expect and be ready for. So I want to give you four expectations to have when you face trouble. When you're living with trouble, you need to remember what to expect. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, expect moments of intense spiritual opposition aimed at keeping you away from people who will help you grow. The Apostle Paul is telling these Thessalonians, he started a church in the city of Thessalonica, And as soon as he left, because he had to leave because they ran him out of town, he was worried about how they would do. He was concerned about their spiritual progress. He knew that they were having trouble, and he was worried that they would come under such persecution and trouble that maybe some of them 
would fall away from their faith because of this trouble. So he writes them and says, hey, when I was torn away from you, you were never out of my thoughts. We had an intense longing and made every effort to come to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, again and again. But what happened even though he wanted to come to see them? What's it say there? But Satan stopped us. Now here's what I want you to understand. This is really, really important for you to understand. Expect trouble. But when you're in the middle of trouble, one of the tactics of the enemy to make that trouble really derail you is he employs what I call the separation technique or the roadblock technique. Uh, Paul said, I tried to come and see you several times, again and again. But every time I, I tried to come and see you, I was blocked from getting there. Now, he doesn't tell us how he was blocked. He doesn't tell us it may have been uh, circumstances. It may have been people that were trying to get his life. It may, be, may have been that he wasn't able to travel or sickness or disease or whatever it may be. We don't know how he was blocked. But we do know this, that it was Satan who blocked him. Now, what was Satan trying to do? Satan was trying to keep people that were discouraged from someone that could really encourage them. You see, one of the tactics of the enemy when you're going through a trial or tribulation is to try to separate you from people that could bring encouragement, faith, and hope to your life. If he can keep you roadblocked, then on your own you start to get discouraged, you start to buy into the lies, you start to lose hope, you start to go in a spiral downward. If he can keep you roadblocked from help that can come your way, then suddenly on your own, in your isolation, you begin to lose hope and oftentimes can be vulnerable to the attack of the enemy because the enemy has roadblocked you. Now, as I started thinking about this, I started realizing that there are various kinds of roadblocks that keep people. Sometimes it's the roadblocks that we put up ourselves. You may have, you may be here this morning with a roadblock. Maybe, you, maybe you're experiencing a major trial today. It could be a trial in your marriage. It could be a financial trial. It could be a health trial. It could be a a struggling with some kind of temptation in your life that's really beating you down. And you walk into church and in this gathering today and even though there's help around you, maybe there's roadblocks that you put up. Here's some of the common roadblocks that people put up, emotional roadblocks. Roadblocks like, no one really cares how I'm doing. So I'm really not going to open up my heart and share with anybody because I don't think anybody cares. And if I were gone or never came back, I don't think anybody would miss me. You know what that roadblock does? It, ro it puts a roadblock to allow people into your life so no one gets into your life because you hold them at a distance. Or sometimes it's the roadblock of, I don't really belong here. 
People around here are different than me. They don't seem to have the struggles that I have. They don't seem to be going through the same kind of difficulty that I have. They would never understand what I'm going through. So therefore, it keeps you isolated in that roadblock of no one really understands what I'm going through because no one can really relate to me. I've seen that happen. Do you know you can be in a crowd of people, of a thousand people, and feel like there's no one, even though help is, is very close, there's no access to that help because there's a roadblock? We sent a team down to Haiti. I had a nephew that went down there as well. And he said that outside, when, when the earthquake happened in Haiti, he said that there were people that were literally starving, lack of food, lack of clean water, and lack of medical supplies. And when he flew into the airport, he saw stacks of food and medical supplies and water that was there. Outside of the airport, people were dying. It was right there accessible. So he drove in there one day and just got some people and took some of the supplies to get it out there. It's not that it wasn't available. It's that there were roadblocks to keep it from getting to the people. You could be in a place like this with 1,400 believers on Sunday morning with tons of people that have encouragement gifts and ability to pray, that love Jesus, that have been through a lot, that encourage your soul, and you could be here with all of that around you and not allow it to seep into your life and soul because you have roadblocks that keep, keep the good that's there from touching your heart and your soul. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Roadblocks. And I believe that that's what the enemy uses. In fact, in Hebrews... Chapter 10, verse 24 through 26, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So remember, the first thing I want you to expect, expect that trouble will be there, but expect that in the middle of the trouble, that Satan will try to isolate you from people that can encourage you. In the middle of your toughest trouble, that's really when you need to be in the house of God, and that's really when you need to be in a, in a Bible study group. But oftentimes, it's in the middle of those situations that we isolate ourselves and we let ourselves become discouraged. And Paul says in this passage, Satan stopped us for what is our hope, our joy, our crown, in which we glory in the presence of our Lord when He comes, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I have to tell you that I can relate to what Paul has to say. One of the greatest joys of my heart is to see people that have started out here, that have come to Christ, that have gotten baptized, to see them growing in God and going forward and, and not losing their faith and becoming strong and helping other people come to God and passing it down to their children and becoming active. One of the saddest things of my heart, one of the, unfortunately I've been pastoring for 25 years and one of the, the saddest things of my soul is to see someone that starts out in God and they start out well, but because of troubles in their life and isolation in their life, 
They, they get derailed and they fall away from God. One of the saddest things of my life is as a shepherd to see them when they've fallen away from God because I know who they could be and I know what God could do in their lives and I know the plans and purposes that God has for them. But when they get derailed, when they fall away, it's a sadness to see where their life can end up instead of the purposes and plans of God for their life. Now, the second thing I want you to expect when we talk about troubles is expect seasons of troubles will be a part of your spiritual destiny, so prepare for it. Verse 1 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, so when we could stand it no longer, Paul said, I, could, I couldn't stand not knowing how you were doing. I just couldn't stand not knowing it. Have you ever had someone that you really loved that was somewhere that you couldn't get in touch with them? And you just, just want to know how they're doing, want to know that they're okay, and it just burdens you not to know that. When my uh, son and uh, Josiah and Ozzy went to Africa two uh, years ago, uh, there was no way of really contacting them easily. And so I know my wife and I were praying for them, but we really wanted to know that they're okay. And it was hard not knowing, hey, are you okay? We really want to know that you're okay and a lion hasn't eaten you or uh, you're not being boiled in some pot by some tribe that really wanted uh, missionary meat to eat. Uh, we we, we want to know that. And it, it burdens you not to know how someone is doing. And Paul is saying, I, we were burdened. We wanted to know how you are doing. So since they could not find out, Paul says, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. He was in a different city. And so he sent his young protege, his apprentice, Timothy, to go back to these believers to find out how they were doing. Uh, who, so he says, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Notice what verse 3 says. So that none... No one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. Destined for what? Destined for these trials. In fact, Paul says, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you know. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that he warned these believers that when they came to Christ, he warned them, you will experience trials in your life, so be ready for them. In fact, he tells us in, in this passage, he uses the word uh, so that no one would be, uh, the NIV says, unsettled by these trials. That word unsettled means shaken or disturbed or cajoled out of your faith. It's almost like you're on a rail and you get shaken so much that you fall off that rail. This past week on the news, we heard of a train that derailed and almost 100 train cars fell off the rails with flammable liquid. Did you see that on the news? And they were having trouble putting the fires out. It's the same concept here. Paul says, some of you are going through trials. Those trials are shaking you so much that we were afraid that you would be derailed by those trials, that you would be so shocked by the trial, so burdened by it, 
that you would walk away from God or lose your faith or stop focusing on God and all you could focus is on your trial and that you would be derailed from your walk with God. He uses that word, the idea of being shaken so much. And he says, hey, we forewarned you. So so I want to do what Paul did. If you're new in Christ today, if you're a new follower of Christ, or you're just starting out with your walk in God, or maybe you've been walking with God for quite some time, can I warn you, you're going to experience some troubles in your life. Some of those troubles are going to be so severe that if you're not careful, it will literally take your faith away. Some of the trials that you're going to experience will be so tough, so powerful, so shaking of your faith that if you're not careful, a year from now going through a severe, severe trial of your life could cause you no longer to worship God. You can become so consumed in your trial, so overwhelmed by it, so discouraged by it, so burdened and beaten down by it that it could literally shake your faith in God and keep you from following him anymore because you never expected that you were going to be hit by a trial so big. And that's why Paul says, we warned you about trials. We wanted to make sure this would not catch you by surprise. In fact, he says this, listen, you know quite well that you were destined for them. Hold on, destined? Well, when I think of destiny, I think of a lot of good things, but I don't, want to, I don't think of trials. Destined for glory, destined for victory, destined to win, destined for success, destined to be happy, destined for trials? Yeah, destined for trials. But what does that word destined mean? Well, in the Greek, the, the Bible, the New Testament was written in the ancient Greek. In the Greek, this verb, destined, is in the perfect tense and passive voice. That may not mean a lot to you, but it does have significance in the Greek. It's a very strong way of saying these hard times were placed here by God. They didn't happen by accident. In fact, this is the opposite of chance or circumstance. This is allowed by God. What he's saying is that God has allowed you to go through these trials or tribulations, that that God is allowing you to go through this, not abandoned you in it, but allowing you to go through it because he's got a purpose and a plan in the midst of it. And that you need to know and understand that in the midst of your trial, that God is there, that God is still faithful, that God is still on the throne. Here's what I want you to know. Listen, life can get really bad, but it does not change the character of God. God is still good. God is still sovereign. God is still on the throne. God is still full of love. That's what scripture says. In fact, it tells us in... Philippians chapter 129, for it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Acts chapter 14 verse 22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. 
First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear brothers, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So what I want you to understand is that trouble will happen to believers. Expect it. That you will have troubles in your life, tribulations in your life, persecutions in your life. But when you're in the midst of them, remember that the enemy will try to roadblock people of encouragement from your life. Expect that. Expect that seasons of trouble will be part of your destiny, that everybody goes through them. So be warned, be in a stance ready for them when they come your way. Expect that temptations will test your faith and pressure you to give up in the midst of your troubles as well. Notice what it tells us in verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. Paul says, I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Paul was afraid that they would have gone through such a severe trial that they would be tempted to walk away from God and tempted to abandon their faith. Have you ever been in a circumstance like that? Were you going through such a tough time? Difficult trial? That, that you look for the easier way out. That you think, I, I could just do it this way and it would be easier. You know, sometimes that trial that comes at you, it seems like there's the easy escape route. And God says, no, stand firm. Uh, you may have come to Christ and started following God and got some flack and some opposition from family members that don't understand your new walk with God. Some of them will say, you know, I like the old you better. And, And they start isolating you and you feel the push of that isolation on your life and it's easy to want to give in to that. Maybe you're a single person trying to live godly for Jesus and now that you belong to God, you're trying to walk in purity and, and trying to guard your body and not, not go out and party and have sex on the weekends. And so you're trying to walk as a single, walking with God and, and, and walking right. And you see some of your friends, they're, they're hooking up and living together. And it seems like an easy way, but you stand your ground. And then on a lonely Friday night, you're there feeling like, wow, why am I doing that? This is hard. Other people, it seems like it's a lot easier for them. Why would I try to, maybe I should just Take the easy way out. Trial and tribulation. What it tells us here in Scripture is that Paul is saying that he was afraid that some of them would be tempted to give up on God. To give up on their walk, to give up on their faith, to not stand firm anymore. In the middle of your trial and tribulation, that's going to happen. You're going to be tempted. Tempted to get a disobedient way out. And Paul says, he tells us that 
Timothy had just come and given them the good news that, about their faith and love. And he has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and long to see us. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. What caused them to stand firm? It was their faith. Can I tell you this? Listen to me well, people of God. One of the great things that will keep you standing strong is your ability to maintain your faith. What faith does, faith helps you to believe even though when circumstances are nasty. And faith helps you to know that God is in control even when your circumstances look like he's not. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Faith is believing not what you see, not walking by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And how is it that in the midst of a very difficult trial or tribulation, how do you keep your faith strong? Well, let me tell you, how does faith come? Come on, tell me, how does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? And hearing by the word of God. When, you are, when your faith is being tested and you're in the middle of a trial, it is your faith that's going to sustain you. How do you keep your faith strong? By staying in the word and by hearing the word of God and his voice, uh, allowing the word of God to strengthen you in who you are. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is the first thing that a lot of people do when they're in the middle of trial, in the middle of tribulation, going through a hard time? They just feel like, I don't feel like going to Bible study. I don't feel like going to home group. I don't feel like going to church. And they just isolate themselves and stay away. And so you get less and less of the word, you don't go to the Bible, you don't hear the voice of God, so your faith starts to get weaker and weaker and weaker, and that's when your faith needs to be stronger and stronger and stronger. Faith sustains you. In the mountains near where my mother lives in northern Spain, there's a place called El Escudo which is a very high mountain range that you have to drive through from one town to another. And oftentimes there's fog, heavy fog, when you get to the high altitude. I've driven through that mountain range quite a few times. On the side of the road they have reflectors. Those reflectors, when it's really foggy, they, they tell you just a couple feet away where to go, that you're on track. Oh, I can't see the road more than 15 to 20 feet ahead. Sometimes the fog is so thick. But I can see the reflectors on the side of the road. And the reflectors on the side of the road tell me, you're on the right path. You're on the right path. Just keep going. You're on the right path. Stay on it. Now, although I can't see the future... I can't see ahead. I've been down that path before. I know what's there even though I can't see it. I believe it's there even though I can't see it. And as long as I follow those reflectors, I know that I'll, I'll one step, one, as they say there, one meter at a time, one yard at a time, I know that I'm on track. So it is with faith in the middle of tribulation and trial. You can't see the outcome you can't see the future, but you can see one reflector of the word at a time. 
You can see one reflector as you go to the Word, God speaks to you through a verse. He speaks to you through another verse. And your faith keeps you going one step at a time, and you know God is there. I will stay on track. I can't see down the road all the way, but I know that my God is in control. I know that He is sovereign. I know that He will make a way. I know that God has a plan for my life and destiny. So expect temptations to test your faith and pressure you to give up in the midst of your troubles. Number four, expect the power of prayer to open doors and release the strength you need to stand firm in trouble. I love how the Apostle Paul finishes this chapter. He says, night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul says, hey, I can't be with you, but I pray for you. Oh, this isn't just a little diddly statement that he's making. He's saying, I earnestly pray for you to supply what is lacking in your faith. And then he bursts out into spontaneous prayer for them. He says, now may the God and Father himself of our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. Now he's praying in faith. May the Lord make your love to increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as he does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now Paul is praying, and what you see is that Paul is saying the secret weapon in all of this is the power of prayer. I want you to know something here. Trouble is going to come your way. You're either in trouble, coming out of trouble, or going into trouble. That's just the way it is in life. You say, well, I haven't had trouble in a while. Well, we'll get ready because you're probably about to go into a little trouble. Remember, get in, get in your position. Get ready. It's coming at you. It's just part of life. There will be trouble in life. But there's something about the power of prayer. Something about praying through something. Something about God coming to God and God is the door opener through prayer. God is the way maker through prayer. God is the strengthener through prayer. God is the one that causes us to continue to love and take those roadblocks away in prayer. Prayer has this in incredible and powerful effect on our lives. When we're in the middle of trouble or tribulation or we know someone that's going through it, it's the power of prayer. There have been seasons of life that I know I could not get through without just coming and crying out to God and say, God, I'm not going to make it unless you are with me. It's a power of prayer. There's been times that I know it's only people praying for me that have taken me through some, some tough seasons. The power of prayer. I have some people in my life that I know pray for me every single day. I have one old, older gentleman that prays for me 6 o'clock in the morning every single day and then prays for me in the afternoon as well. My mother takes a prayer walk every day and prays for me as well. I got some people praying for me every day. 
And there's been seasons in my life in the middle of huge, huge trials or tribulation, the weight has been on my shoulder where I know it's only people praying, the power of prayer that's lifted that burden and made me able to be able to go forward because I knew there were people that are, I, I couldn't explain it, I just knew that the, it was being lifted through the power of God and people that were praying. So today, here's what I want to say. I'm encouraged by the fact that these troubles and tribulations don't discourage me. I know that God is there. I know that, that, that God has a plan. But I'm going to give a call in just a second. You may be in the middle of a trial right now, a tribulation in your life right now. And I'm going to give a call for two, two ways for you to respond to this. Number one, you, maybe there's someone in your life that you know is going through a major, major trouble, trial right now, and they're a friend of yours or a relative of yours, someone that you're close to, and you feel like, I need to pray for them. I need to be praying for them. And there's some of you that need to recommit yourself to come, get on your knees right now, and pray for that person that you know needs to make it through, that, you, that they're in a difficult, difficult situation, but you're saying today, by the power of God, I may not be able to take their trial away, but I can pray for them in the midst of this and know that my God hears and that my God sustains them through it. So I'm gonna pray that they make it through, pray that they not isolate themselves, pray that their faith gets stronger. Maybe you're here today and you're in the middle of a trial. And there have been roadblocks by the enemy to try to isolate you. Maybe the enemy has tried to tempt you to give up on your faith. Maybe you haven't realized the power of prayer in the, in the midst of this, the power of the word. And you say, Pastor, today I'm in this place this morning and I'm in a financial trial, a marital trial, a health trial, a spirit trial, or whatever it may be, but I am going through a huge trial in my life and I today need prayer. 